Hey guys, this week's podcast is brought to you by the fastest growing and most active app for hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts. Of course, I'm talking about Go Wild. Thousands of people are joining weekly. So if you're tired of the hate on social media that hunters and outdoor enthusiasts experience at the hands of anti-hunters, tree huggers, and animal rights activists, then you need to join Go Wild. In addition to sharing your hunting and fishing experiences, Go Wild is a great place to share recipes, ask questions, and meet other awesome people that are passionate about the outdoors. Plus, Go Wild gives money back to conservation groups and organizations like Raise Them Outdoors, which is helping teach kids to hunt and fish. They do weekly big-time giveaways, including $500 coolers, $150 in fishing tackle, vortex gear, hammocks, broadheads, fly rods, and tons of other great stuff. It's free, and it's available on both Android and iPhones. Check it out. It's Go Wild, and I want to invite you to be a part of this awesome and growing community. They call us long-haired, tattooed, hippie freaks, and you know that ain't all wrong. You think they never saw bad alcohol just singing a country song. But if they close their eyes and they open their ears and they let the music speak, they'd hear a good old country music and not just long-haired, tattooed freaks. Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. That is the music of 1100 Springs kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoors show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I am your host, Cable Smith, and it is great to be here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. As, uh, man, we've got a great show lined up for you. And uh, it's a great time to be alive in the great outdoors. The crappie are spawning. Catfish are wrapping up their spawn. Unfortunately, uh, for the Texas folks anyway, turkey season has come to an end. I know some of y'all are still chasing long beards. So wish you luck on that adventure. Uh, But anyway, coming up on today's broadcast, we've got a lot to get into. So you know what to do. Pull up your stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos because we are ready to rock and roll. First thing we're going to do is talk rifle barrels with our old buddy Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. If you're like me, you get a rifle, you put a scope on it, you take it to the range, you sight it in, and when you've got a good, solid three-shot group, you go hunting with it. I mean... All the semantics that goes into actually building that barrel, I have no clue. I couldn't even tell you what kind of steel they're made out of for the most part. Uh, But Derek, well, I mean, he builds custom rifles for a living, and he's our resident gun guru. So, you know what? This is a topic that we've never discussed, but probably should have a long time ago. So, uh, we'll talk barrels. What separates a a factory barrel from a custom barrel? Um, How do you break in a barrel? Also, what about rifling, uh, twist rate, fluting, all of that stuff we're going to cover on today's show. So certainly looking forward to that. Plus, um, Derek recently inherited some pretty cool mounts like an Alaskan doll sheep from his wife's grandfather. And you will not believe the amount that he paid to go on a moose, doll sheep, uh, reindeer, or caribou, and salmon fishing trip to Alaska back in the early 90s. It's going to blow your mind. <laughs> I promise you that. For two people, actually. Uh, so we're going to discuss that as well. Then uh, we'll be joined by the founder of Trophy Boars, 
the very popular social media page, Beno Alabashian. Alabashian, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's Armenian. He's lived in Houston, Texas for the past five years or so. And he actually grew up hunting wild boars in Iran. And there's a, an interesting backstory to his passion for hunting giant hogs. Um, but more importantly, you know, his page was recently deleted by Instagram. 75,000 followers strong, without warning, without any apology, without, without anything. Instagram didn't so much as send him a message at all. Uh, his page was gone. And it just said, violating community guidelines. Well, what the hell does that mean? There are no community guidelines that said you can't post hog hunting photos or videos. So social media is out to get us. Facebook has been doing the same thing. And uh, it's time that, you know, we make people aware of what's going on out there uh, because this is wrong. And when you have a monopoly on social media, like Facebook and Instagram do, and you're owned by the same company, uh, you don't have a right to censor. Because if you do that, then you're a publisher. And if you're a publisher, that opens up a whole nother can of worms that Facebook doesn't want to take on from a legal standpoint. Uh, So things are going to change for Facebook and Instagram very quickly. I guarantee you that. And I hope that our social media accounts are still around to take advantage of it. Um, but anyway, looking forward to visiting with Benno here, talking some, uh, wild hog hunting among other things. And then we'll wrap up today's show by checking in with Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. They've got some cool stuff out for 2018 that we haven't talked about before. And I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mark at the Vortex booth, uh, at the NRA show in Dallas a couple weekends ago. So, uh, cool stuff coming up on the Vortex front as we'll talk all things optics at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. It's going to be a good one. I guarantee you that. I'm excited about it. Hope you are as well. Uh, Let's do do this. Let's do a quick giveaway. Uh, I've got a Lone Star Beer prize pack, which includes a camo dove seat, a camo cap, and koozie. And I know uh, I owe a couple of y'all that have won in recent weeks the camo dove seat still, which they are in storage, but we are moving finally uh, this week. So you can expect your prizes to be shipped out promptly. So apologies for the delay. But to win today's prize pack, compliments of Lone Star Beer, just email in the word Lone Star. That's Lone Star to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Lots of Lone Star going on there. But uh, anyway, send that in. We'll get you entered into the drawing for this week's giveaway. Also, congrats to Noelle Parsons of Bridgeport, Texas. She won last week's drawing. So congrats, Noel. We appreciate you tuning in. And I appreciate each and every one of you guys and gals uh, for tuning in and being a part of the weekly giveaways as well. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are talking rifle barrels with our old buddy Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. in prison doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but mama tried. Mama tried. Have you had the frustration of trying to mount your game camera to a T-post with zip ties or bailing wire, but the first time you check it, find it pointing at the ground? I have. My name is Art Greep with Gunny Art Products. I'm the inventor of Teammate, the T-post game camera mount. Teammate is a rugged steel bracket. Just attach your camera to it, slip it over a T-post, and latch it in place. 
teammate will end your zip tie and bailing wire frustration. Order yours today at tpostmount.com. That's tpostmount.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Chama Chairs. The Chama Chair is the all-terrain swivel chair designed out of necessity because the owners were tired of poor performing hunting chairs. The Chama weighs less than 8 pounds, silently swivels 360 degrees, converts to a stool, has tear-resistant fabric, telescoping legs, and pivoting duck feet. The carrying bag even has accessory pockets and gun and bow straps. Chama Chairs is revolutionizing the hunting chair. It's literally making all other hunting chairs obsolete. And you can find them at ChamaChairs.com. Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, general manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Hey guys, Cable here, and I need to tell you about the Go Wild app. If you've experienced any kind of hatred on social media from anti-hunters, from tree huggers, and the like, then check out the growing Go Wild community. It's free. It's available for both iPhones and Android. It's a great place to trade hunting and fishing stories, recipes, and share some of those bragging board moments of your outdoor successes. Check it out. It's the Go Wild app, available for both iPhones and Androids. Smith, welcome everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoors show. Turnpike Troubadour is the Mercury, one of my favorites there. Uh, thank you guys and gals for being here today, although my Instagram stats say that uh, only 17% of you are female. So guys, tell your girls, get them involved in the outdoors. Come on. Let's get those ladies hunting. Uh, I know we've seen that trend increase in recent times but we need more ladies listening to the show because the future of hunting fishing in the great outdoors largely depends on their involvement i guarantee you that uh, with that being said we are just moments away from talking rifle barrels <laughs> something that we're all familiar with but something that i don't think we all understand at least i know i don't and if you're in that boat, uh, then you'll want to tune in to our discussion with Horizon Firearms' Derek Ratliff here momentarily. But first, this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by First Light. Y'all have seen me wearing this stuff here over the last few months. And uh, let me tell you, I have been with a couple of outdoor apparel companies over the years. I have never worn anything that had the quality that First Light does. And uh, from the heavy-duty sanctuary bib set that I wore up in British Columbia in January and 
three or four feet of snow to just their lightweight merino wool base layers. The performance and quality is unmatched. I feel good telling you that because I honestly believe it 100%. And you can find their entire lineup from base layers on up to uh, outerwear and extreme cold weather gear right there at firstlight.com. Well, let's go ahead and bring on an old friend of the program. Y'all have likely heard quite a few of our discussions over the years. And if we're talking guns, firearms, bullets, ballistics, or rifle stocks, anything of that nature, then I turn to our guru, Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. Thanks for jumping on with me, Derek. Thanks, Cable. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's always enjoyable. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it was great to run into you out at uh, the NRA show. Well, more than run into you. I mean, I hung out at the uh, Horizon <laughs> Iowa right. booth for a couple hours. And yeah, man, that was that was awesome seeing you. And like I said, that, that show is always interesting, and the amount of people is uh, pretty impressive. So no, we 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 enjoyed it. Well, and you've been to other NRA meetings and conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, how did this annual meeting stack up to? say the one last year, which I think was in uh, Atlanta. Yeah, I say what, I mean, to be honest, um, the amount of foot traffic was huge. I mean, I think, I think if I read correctly, it was uh, almost 88,000 people, which was one of their biggest, if not their biggest, you know, show from a foot traffic standpoint. I think, um, you know, from a, from a, I guess, sales standpoint, you know, for us, it wasn't as good as some other shows have been, but I think part of it is, is with all the stuff going on with Dick Sporting Goods and the Second Amendment up and the, the you know the the consumer confidence with the uh, new administration all coupled in with the crate you know all the yeti moves and such i think that you know the the consumer is sort of just it felt like everybody just kind of like i don't know what i want to do where to go what's happening you know yeah. so it's just a weird a weird vibe uh for a show it wasn't as and you know wasn't as, as encouraging as uh you know shows like dallas safari club and show and stuff are but it's still great uh, we got to see a lot of our um, you know, current customers and some new customers is always fun. Yeah. Well, and, uh, and you know, obviously my Horizon 7 mag is the gun that I take on the majority of my hunts, but uh, mm-hmm. I do shoot, you know, Mossberg AR mm-hmm. and their shotguns and stuff. And yeah. when Mossberg put that press release out that they were no longer mm-hmm. doing business with dicks, I, I put a picture of me holding all my Mossbergs and said, <laughs> hey, just wondering, uh, does anybody know anybody that can help with going out of business sales? I'm asking for Dick Sporting Goods, <laughs> by the way. There you go. I'm telling you, man, that was an interesting move. I, I don't know. I don't know. When they hired anti-gun lobbyists in D.C. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't I don't quite get it. Either they, you know, it's, um, what is that old saying, that if once you're in a hole, the best way to get out of the hole is quit digging the hole? Uh-huh. You know, and so don't I don't know if where you eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if I just went so far down the line, or if uh, if there's just something else bigger going on. But it's interesting. It's interesting to see what the other, you know, because we're we're working on some new products and stuff for 19, and kind of starting to talk to some of the box stores and stuff. And it's interesting to see how other stores and other companies are taking advantage of, um, you know, what's what's going on there. So I don't know. It didn't make sense to me, especially with the Philbin Stream connection there. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, that's the thing that blew me away. I know. You know, iconic magazine yeah. of yeah. Western hunting, and here it is aligning, well, owned by, or I don't know who owns right. who, whether Dick Stones Field and Stream or Field and Stream owns Dick. doesn't matter. Uh, I'll never probably, re- I can't say that I'll read Field and Stream again. Right, you know? exactly. Right. Well, I believe you have to it. take a stand or you're part of the problem. Yeah. Well, I think so much, you know, we were talking at the NRA show with some, you know, magazine people and stuff we know in the industry, you know, 
not pose names or whatever, but it's like what we're seeing is, I think, a really interesting thing in the sense that the gun industry got so big so fast, um, you know, over the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years. Thanks, Obama. That, yeah, right, exactly. That so many companies got controlled by investors, right? Their investment portfolios, you know, you know, Vista's, you know, think about uh, Savage, RCBS, you know, um, but it's a federal and all that are owned by you know one group, and I'm I'm even reading and you know who knows if it's rumor yet. I don't, you know I want to spread rumor, but I'm even reading that you know Vista is considering selling off their Savage branch. Huh. You know, uh, and I'm like, man, that's you know it just seems so strange. But then at the same time, if you look at companies that are taken that are you know small smaller relative, right, family owned and operated, that are able to be fairly nimble or taking you know big stride. I mean, look at Hornady, right. You know, canceling, you know, basically refusing to ship ammo to New York, and then you know, you've got Weatherby moving out of California. And so, you, you're, I think we're finally seeing a correction in our industry as far as you know who's controlling and who's owning what that probably needed to happen in the last five years. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah. And and you and I have talked previously. I mean, um, folks were buying ARs out of fear when we right. had the previous administration. Now, a lot of these gun manufacturers have have an overstock of ARs they can't sell, and I don't know if that's why Remington filed for bankruptcy or whatever. Um, I don't know, man. That's a, that was a surprise. Um, I think they just had so many things that going on, plus the you know, investor pullouts. And, I mean, you know, it's just one of those deals. I mean, uh, you get that big for so long, and it's sad to kind of see that. But hopefully, you know, I, you know, I, I figure we'll see a some type of restructuring and, and you know, you'll see them come back. I just, for, for the industry, whether you like the guns or not, I mean, it's just the name, right? It's like piece that everybody knows and you, know, you grow up with that. Right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting thing. Well, you know what? I don't understand why the government just didn't bail them out like they did the auto industry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine the Republicans bringing that to the house? Hey, we're going to, uh, yeah. we're gonna try to bail out a, a firearm manufacturer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The hell that we're, no, well, Chevy is, you know, actually Ford didn't do it. I guess it was Chevy and Chevy, yeah. uh, the rest of them. But uh, yeah. anyway, um, well, hey, what I really want to discuss today is something that we're all familiar with as hunters and shooters, but I, I don't really know how much we actually understand about the design and logistics of rifle barrels. I know I, hmm. I personally, I, I yep. have a gun, I put a scope on it and, you know, whether right. it's a factory rifle or if it's my horizon, I know yep. as soon as I take it to the range, if it's going to be a shooter or not. Right. And I don't right. know what makes one rifle barrel better than another. Yep. Um, but obviously you can um, shed some light on that. So first of all, what are the most common materials that rifle barrels are constructed from? Yep. So you see, you see kind of three main things. Really, you see uh, like a stainless barrel, four sixteen stainless. You see basically chromoly steel, which is your you know, typical steel barrel that you're getting on most uh, you know factory rifles. And then you've also got some type of carbon fiber barrel. And there's different kinds of carbon fiber barrels, but those are really kind of the main three categories that that you know we see, um, you know. As far as materials for barrels, okay. Um, you know, the the biggest deal, you know, people always ask, well, you know, one better than the other, or such, or how is that, um, how is that line out? And to me, so much of it is how they're constructed, right? Okay. And so you got to look at there's there's also button rifle versus cut rifle. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, you know, 
for me, I'm looking for essentially how the barrel is handled, how it's heat treated, um, you know, and how it's manufactured, and then how it's put to the action as far as the accuracy piece. So at Horizon, we only use either stainless, uh, 14 stainless barrels or the, the carbon fiber barrels that have the stainless core. I mean, for us, we know the guys are going to be using the rifle pretty hard, and that stainless uh, keeps the rusting out, right? So, I mean, we've all had the gun and that you leave in the truck or you leave in the full weather in the Ranger at night, and you get that, you know, miss, <laughs> you know, that do on your rifle, and now all of a sudden you're dealing with surface rust. That comes from the chromoly steel. So they're just a cheaper barrel, which allows, um, you know, allows manufacturers to get in those price points they need to be for certain types of rifle builds. The worst I've ever uh, seen is, is duck hunting on the coast. Oh, yeah. We went, we, and this is my first, this is years and years ago, my first time duck hunting on the coast. And, you know, we hunt that morning, put our, our guns back in our uh, little soft cases, Get them out the next morning and just covered in rust. And yep. uh, I was like, "What in the hell? What happened here?" Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then trying to get that off and not let it happen again is tough. Yeah. You, know, you get, you know, and so you know that's the big, you know, big piece that you see a lot of times with these premium rifle barrels. And a lot of people are starting to go more and more on the stainless side um, than chrome only before. You know, and with with that, there's some volume and the barrel prices on that piece, you know, have come down a little bit, but they're they're still significantly more expensive than a chrome you know than a chromoly barrel and and but you get a lot of quality out of that mm-hmm. you know then the next piece um really it deals with how it's actually rifled and i think that's the part that people always ask about there's a lot of you know internet warriors you know saying how oh, you got to have this barrel or that barrel that kind of stuff and so i'm going to i want to explain the two ways they're manufactured and kind of give my opinion on them so one is button rifle that's basically you got to think about it's got a little it looks like a shirt button, but it's kind of like a football shape and super sharp. And basically, when they make this barrel, they take a long piece of pipe and they drill the hole all the way through it, and then they put it on a machine and pull the button through the barrel. And when you when you pulling that button through, it's essentially cutting the rifle. Now that determines the twist rate. It determines um, you know how many grooves it is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And all, right? and all of these barrels are done on a lathe. Is that correct? Yeah, so they're, they're like I said, I used to work at Savage, so I'm going to explain kind of their plant because you, you, they took it from raw stock too. The big big piece of bar stock comes in, let's say it's uh, 20 foot long, and it comes in and it gets a hole drilled through it with this monster drill, and then it gets sliced into you know 30 inch barrel blanks, hmm. and then it basically gets put on um, this rifling machine, and a button gets pulled through it. Okay, okay? and so now I've got a, a piece of pipe that has rifling in it. And then I put it on the lathe and I contour it to make it shape like a rifle. Okay. So that's kind of the process of how that thing becomes from steel to, uh, you know, to the actual rifle barrel. Mm-hmm. And the other way to do it is to cut rifling. And so button basically is pulling a brooch through and cut rifle is pushing it through. And you'll read forums all over the place that says one is better than the other. Um, and typically people try to say or err that cut is better. I know people probably listen to this will argue with me, but we've actually seen some smoother cuts with the button than we have with the cut rifling. So I personally prefer the, the button rifling, but what you're really ultimately after is a nice, smooth cut so that you don't have rough edges inside the barrel. So people always talk about breaking in a barrel. Well, what you're really doing when you're breaking in that barrel is you're wearing down those rough cuts, right? So when you're shooting it through, it's it's polishing the inside of that barrel. 
So if, if if it's done with a premium button and you don't want a gun that's you know that's you know <laughs> that kind of thing when a barrel is being made you don't really want the first couple being made you don't want the last couple being made because that button wears out over time. Um, but that that's where that break-in process comes from is wearing down the groove. So we we, we do at Horizon a lot of manufacturers or a lot of custom manufacturers do this is we do what they call lap that barrel. So we'll take that barrel and put a slug in it and by hand we'll work it back and forth to polish those that kind of jitters out of the barrel so that mm-hmm. you don't have the break-in process that you do with a factory with a factory barrel. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then like, you know, I guess then kind of the last time there is the, the carbon fiber barrel. So we get asked a lot, is a carbon fiber barrel carbon fiber all the way through? No, it's actually a steel core. And the best way I like to describe carbon fiber barrels is, is I know you play with them when you're a kid. You know, you get those little Chinese finger traps at the grocery store, right? Right. You put you know put your fingers in, you pull pull them apart, and it locks down on your finger, right? You got to think about carbon fiber working that way. So what happens is carbon fiber barrels have a steel core, and then as that carbon fiber heats up, it expands against itself and sucks down really tight on that steel barrel and keeps it straight. So the whole purpose of that carbon fiber is to take out about eight to ten ounces worth of weight, but then as the barrel gets hot, maintain more accuracy than if you were to use a steel barrel without the carbon fiber on the outside. Hmm. So sheep guys, you know, perfect example. Everybody who hunts sheep always seems to want a five-pound rifle with this tiny, tiny pencil barrel, right? Which is great for one, two shots, but when you really take it to the range and you're practicing, you know, as it gets hot, it, that barrel wants to move around. Well, carbon fiber, what it allows you to do is have that light weight, have that small steel core, but as you shoot more shots, it allows it to maintain more accuracy over time. Okay, interesting. So, well, okay, so carbon fiber is a great choice for sheep hunters. Which one is the m- the most common choice for guys who do competitive shooting? Where they're going to be putting hundreds and hundreds of rounds through that barrel. Yep. So there's there's kind of two schools of thought there. One, um, some some people think that that you know big carbon fiber still gives them uh, you know the accuracy piece that it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. But what you most commonly see is what they call an M24 or Palma contoured steel barrel, and that basically is a non-fluted, super big around steel barrel. And the reason why is it's cheaper. <laughs> One, right? You're not fluting it. You're not doing fun stuff to it because those guys are going through barrels quite a bit. And two, that surface area gives somewhere for that heat to go and keeps it rigid. And the more rigid that barrel is, tip, typically the more accurate the barrel can be. Okay. So you know your 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 bench shooter competition guys are you know they have a weight limit, so they're, they're the biggest thing that they can get in that weight limit. Well, so far, great insight, Derek. Uh, we do need to yep. take a quick break. Still, a lot more yep. I want to get into uh, on the barrel front, but also uh, we were just kind of talking at the NRA show, and I want to hear more about some of these mounts that you've uh, acquired these these family heirlooms and and maybe yeah. the stories behind them as well so absolutely you stick around for a few more minutes absolutely man. appreciate it perfect and that segment was brought to you by lone star beer the national beer of texas head over to rudy's true texas style barbecue grab you a plate of brisket and wash it down with an ice cold lone star beer lone star beer the national beer of texas we'll be right back with more from our good friend Derek ratliff of horizon firearms and iota outdoors right here on the lone star outdoors show takes your spot with that girl in the corner all by herself brown hair blue eyes sundress cowboy boots you know she wants to dance 
Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Cable here, and we all know that the North Texas weather plays for keeps. That's why you should call my childhood baseball buddy, Phil, with Tech City Roofing. Tech City is a one-stop shop for your roofing needs, offering a 10-year transferable warranty. They don't require money up front or a down payment. They deal directly with your insurance company. Tech City is insured and has an A-plus rating with the BBB. Call Phil Marler at 940-600-8221 for a free inspection, or email him at phil at techcityroofing.com. That's my lifelong bud, Phil with Tech City Roofing at 940-600-8221. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000. One of my all-time favorites there from our good friend, Brad Hines. There we go. Bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and our friends over at Hoff Power Polaris as well. I appreciate their support. And I appreciate y'all for tuning in. No doubt about that. Uh, We are still talking rifle barrels with our good friend, Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. And we're going to get into the finer details, like uh, things such as fluting and twist rate, how those affect your velocity and accuracy um, when it comes to shooting large caliber rifles. But before we do that, this segment is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. And, I mean, they have barbecue pits as well. They've got everything. But uh, you need to check out the Big Chingone. If you're looking for a new blind for your deer lease, the Big Chingone has it all. You can sit three people on that bad boy. You get it on either an 8- or 12-foot platform. It's got cup holders. It's got carpet. It's got shelves. It's got it all. It's the Big Chingone, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and bring Derek back on here. Thanks for sticking around through the break, man. Absolutely, Gabe. I always enjoy it. Well, before the break, we talked about the three most common things barrels are made out of, stainless steel, chromoly, and carbon fiber. And now I want to transition and, and get into fluting, whether that's more of a stylistic thing or does it actually help with your velocity or accuracy, and then also twist rate. Uh, so start with fluting and, and break those two things down for us. Yeah, a couple things with fluting uh, real quick. I mean, a lot of it's style, part of it's weight, and then uh, part of it is 
some t- some designs will give you some rigidity, and some designs will give you a little bit of cooling factor uh-huh. as far as you know shot to shot consistency. But a lot of it is weight and styling. I mean, it really is. Okay. Well, my my seven mag is pretty stylish and pretty lightweight. So. Well, then that yeah. So when you're in fluting on cures, I mean, we probably took out close to three to four ounces worth of weight out of that barrel. So when you're building a, a gun to go elk hunting. You know, every, every little bit adds up. Yeah, or Mon- Montana bear hunting this uh, next week. There so. you go. Heck yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. Um, so weight and style. What about twist rate? Obviously, that has nothing to do with yeah. style. That's going to be uh, okay. giving you that accuracy. But I don't know yep. what a good twist rate is or what you're uh, looking so for or how you, as a, as a custom uh, manufacturer, yep. how you get more twist rate than, say, a, a factory barrel. Yep. All right, so without getting too overly complicated, yeah, keep twist it for rate the simpleton ba- like me. Keep it, keep it simple here. <laughs> twist rate essentially basically tells you how many times that bullet will turn over per, um, essentially per uh, inch or whatever in the, in your barrel, right? Uh-huh. So, um, like a one and eight twist will twist one time every eight inches, right? All right, so what you want to do is two things. One, depending on the bullet you're shooting. Um, there's a, sta- a stability factor to bullets, right? So when you throw a football, you want a real tight spiral for accuracy versus throwing a, you know, a duck, right? Well, think about a pitcher, uh, like a knuckleball pitcher. His he makes his his bread and butter off of that ball going everywhere, and it doesn't have any rotations. Right. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's a great example. And so what happens is different bullets require different twist rates to stabilize. Not only to stabilize, but different bullets require different twist rates to get the optimum amount of BC, which is the optimum drag coefficient, essentially, for the bullet, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, you know, your 7 mag, you know, we're running a, a 1 and 9 twist in that particular gun because you're running 162s, right? Now, if you call and say, hey, man, I want to shoot a the 180s, or maybe I don't even want to shoot the 190s out of that. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to jump that twist rate up to a 1 and 8 and a quarter or 1 and 8 and a half, to stabilize those big heavy bullets. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, so what what happens is, depending on the caliber, um, you you in and the bullet you want to shoot, you want to adjust that twist rate to get the optimum, you know, uh, basically the optimum stability for that particular round. Best example for this, uh, why my guys will build custom calibers, a gun in a custom versus a gun in a factory, is the twenty two two fifty or the or the two twenty Swift. The uh, 22, in order to shoot, you know, high BC bullets, they're heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So typically, the heavier the bullet, the higher the BC. So if I want to shoot a 75 grain bullet in a in my two uh, my 22 250. Most factory guns, I mean, almost all factory guns are uh, one in 12 twists or one in 14 twists, right? To stabilize that bullet, you really need a one in eight twist barrel, right? So you're not going to go find a one in eight twist. Uh, 22 to 50 from any any uh, big manufacturer uh, because they're all designed around shooting the 55 grain varmint bullet. But down here in Texas, I mean, a lot of guys shoot uh, stuff with 22 calibers, right? I mean, it's just what we grew up with. So in order to shoot those heavy, you know, heavy hitting, you know, uh, better BC 22 caliber bullets, you want to build that eight twist 22. And so that's you know that that's kind of where that uh, starts to play effect is just general stability. Um, you know, it's, it's the same kind of reason where, you know, man, I could, well, well, my gun really likes to shoot this bullet, but not this bullet. Well, some of that is just stability factor, which a big part of the formula for stability factor is twist rate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Awesome explanation there. I feel like I understand it better. Um, good, good. Take this, um, 
analogy. So when I shoot my muzzle loader, mm-hmm. I, I am very anal about it. Some people shoot like 10 times before they clean the barrel. When I'm at the range, <laughs> I clean it after every shot because oh, I yeah. want down to you know a science. I want to know how that gun yep. is shooting. And yep. I feel like with the uh, you know the amount of fouling and powder, uh, yep. when you're shooting black powder, I mean you owe it to yourself to clean it after every shot. Now if you're out in the you know if you're out in a hunting situation and you shoot and miss or you have to make a follow up shot, that's totally different. Right, right, um, right. But how many times will you shoot reliable factory ammo through a barrel without cleaning it? Okay, so I'm gonna two things. I'm gonna touch on these t- muzzle loaders. I'm gonna touch on the. Uh, you know, center fire rifles. On the muzzle loader, I totally agree because you have that black powder is so corrosive and so nasty. And I mean, you're not going to go shoot a dirty rifle while you're hunting. So you need to replicate that clean scenario uh, and, you know, and make sure it's all working right. So I agree with you 100% on my muzzle loader. On the, um, on the center fire side, I may go as many as 100 to 150 shots before cleaning my rifle. That's after we've got it tuned in and working, I'm mm-hmm. going to caveat that by a couple things. One, when I was talking about lapping the barrels early on, our barrels are lapped so they don't have the the jaggedness of the barrel in order to catch the copper and to foul the barrel out. So for me, you know, I'll shoot that gun. You know, we guarantee that half minute angle, and when, when that gun starts getting above a half minute, we'll clean it, and you'll see the groups tighten up. So you know, if if it's a factory barrel and it's not broken in. Man, you really need to clean that, in my opinion, after every box or two until it starts, until you start not seeing the copper build up inside your barrel. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, and here's here's the reason why, is as the barrel starts to foul out or get dirty, specifically with copper, um, it creates more pressure on the bullet to go through. It takes more pressure for it to squirt out the end of the barrel, and that pressure causes changes in speeds. So if you're shooting this, if you're always shooting your gun through the chronograph, as your gun got dirty, you would see changes in the standard deviations and changes in the in the average velocities, and that's when you start change, seeing change in impact. Uh, you know, as far as as far as your your you know, where you're actually striking. So a dirty barrel, it's it's not well. You know, when my gun is dirty, it just doesn't shoot well. It doesn't shoot because most of the time you're affecting the speeds. Mm-hmm. Yep. So is it more important to keep your action clean or the the uh, the barrel itself? <sighs> Man, uh, <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I mean, for me, like I said, I, I kind of. I mean, how much does kinda, the action affect accuracy? Not a whole lot, as long as there's not a, like a lot of sand buildup and stuff in the the lugs itself. And okay. most of it is, you know, is the barrel itself. And you know, cleaner barrel would tend to last a little longer because you're not, you know, having grit and stuff sandblast your your internal your barrel when the when the when the bullet goes through. But for me, I mean, I use my stuff, and we, we try and build all this stuff to be usable. So, you know, I'll I'll clean mine at the end of the season, foul it out so that it's ready to go, um, you know, shoot a shot or two through it, basically, and have it ready if I want to grab it and go on a hunt at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, sh- you know, clean my gun when I start to see the accuracy fade off. So if I know the gun is, is a .3 kind of gun, and I go out and shoot, and all of a sudden I'm shooting – you know, one-inch groups or three-quarter-inch groups, well, I'm going to clean the gun. If not, man, I'm going to rock with it until until the next time. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how yeah. I handle it. Well, and I've got a safe full of guns, but I don't have a single safe queen. I'll tell you that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm rough yeah. on my stuff, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, um, but. Well, what about barrel length? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. most people understand that, like, you know, the short-barreled magnums lose accuracy at distance faster than a long-barreled, uh, you know, their longer-barreled counterparts. 
Um, is and, that because of the twist rate? Because they're not getting the extra revolution. So, so a couple things. Really, really, the barrel length dictates speed, and it also dictates stiffness. So a lot of times, you know, a shorter barrel may actually be more accurate since it'll shoot a tighter group. But what will happen is as you get further out, it loses velocity. So okay. it's affected by the conditions a lot. It's more drop. You know, right, right. That and more drift in the wind. And mm-hmm. so what happens is, um, you know, when, when you're talking about big magnums, like, for example, seven, you know, your 7 mag. You know, I wouldn't build a 7 mag personally shorter than 21 inches <clears throat> because that magnum's got so much powder. It needs to be able to burn the powder to get the velocities. So as you cut it shorter, I mean, you're just burning flames out the end just for fun, right? Um, so there's, there's definitely optimum barrel length, uh, the, but the biggest thing that it affects is speed. And so roughly, and like I said, this is a, a, a loose generalization for most calibers, is that it's about 50 to 60 foot an inch every time you either cut or take off an inch of the barrel off of whatever the factory spec is. So most factory ammunition is spec'd at a 24-inch barrel. So if I cut two inches off and I make it a 22, it's 100 feet slower than what the box says. If I add two inches, it's roughly 100 feet faster. I mean, that, that's the loose uh, kind of kind of rules, uh, and each caliber is a little bit different. Each powder is a little bit different. And so what we do, like I like to shoot – I'm getting snobby in the sense that I like my guns to be shorter for hunting with a suppressor. And so what I do is I figure out what caliber and stuff I want to use, um, figure out the game and the distance, and, and then I kind of – play with the speeds until I figure out what energy, say for example, my PRC. Hey, I want to shoot an elk at 700 yards. Okay. Well, where, where do I lose uh, 1200 to 1300 foot pounds worth of energy? And so we kind of played back and forth with it. And I said, man, I can get by with a 22 inch barrel instead of a 24 inch barrel and have plenty of energy. And now I've got um, a five ounce lighter rifle by cutting the two inches off. So, you know, you play with barrel length a lot of times depending on what's your maximum distance and what the velocity you need is. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Um, well, I think that covers most of what I wanted to discuss yeah. today on the, the awesome. barrel front. Hopefully, I, I know it was educational for me. Like I said, Good. I get the uh, I pick up the gun from you, I take it to the range and shoot it and say, okay, let's go hunting. So. <laughs> well, that's the main thing is, if, if you know, for us, when somebody asks about, guns that they don't have to call in and know i want this twist or that twist they could but i mean for us we're going to ask those questions what what do you like to hunt what distance you want to hunt where are you going to go we we decide all this stuff on the back end to kind of craft a gun around what you're going to use it for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. well now i feel like we know that those questions or at least have that information yeah absolutely uh, an idea absolutely. Of, of what all of that means and i think sometimes it gets people tired head but uh <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating anyway so oh yeah absolutely it's um, well, you've seen my, my Africa list for this summer. Mm-hmm. There's one yep. <laughs> animal on there that I know you've, you've hunted and, and I think it might be your favorite hunt from yep. your, your yep. trips to South Africa. And I'm talking about the Vol reed buck. So yep. talk a little bit about why that one species meant so much to you. Man, several things. It, it's a strange animal. It just it is like nothing we've got over here. So when you see it, you're you're gonna you get it through the scope or in your binoculars, and you're like, okay, wait a second, is that a giant rabbit? Is that a tiny deer? You know, what is this thing? You know what I mean? And so that, that's part of it. In the country they're in, you feel like you should be hunting mountain goats or you know sheep. You know, as far as where we hunted it, you know, around eight thousand foot. You know, big kind of. Uh, 
you know, short grass, but rocky kind of cliffs. And you would like, you would expect, oh, I can pick this animal out. They're very hard to pick out in the terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, got huge ears, huge eyes. So they're challenging, you know, animal to hunt. Um, but, but they said that it was just so unique. And when you actually get your hands on one, you know, it's rabbit tail, jackrabbit ears and 10 inch daggers, you know, it's like, what, you know? <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was just a neat, a really, really neat experience. I mean, just as far as that goes, I mean, it's, I think if I'm correct here, it might be the only hooked animal with actual fur. So, well, so just, uh, and, and what distance did, did you end up taking your volley at? I ended up I ended up shooting mine at like five twenty, um, and it was kind of a it was an interesting thing. The the volley where we were at had been missed uh, by two hunters previously, hmm. um, and one of the hunts I mean talking about pH one of the hunts was specifically because of wind. I mean they were talking about seventy mile an hour winds on the top of that you know cliff area where where we were at. And they just have a way of knowing, <laughs> knowing you're there. And so for us, we, we, the tracker had spotted him and he skirted kind of down the hill around us. Um, and it just stopped kind of on a snow bank. It was sort of grazing by a little snow patch. Um, and I mean, he, you know, knew we were there and, and just got there quick, you know, got the 500 quick. And we just happened to be on him and ready to be able to take a shot. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a, they're a neat animal because it's like, they got better eyesight than what we would consider our pronghorn, uh, and better hearing, and they live in a tougher, tougher country. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. on my trip last year, the farthest shot and the, and the farthest distance I've killed anything other than varmints, coyotes, prairie dogs, mm-hmm. uh, was three seventy-five on that red yep. hartebeest. That's awesome. I want yeah. like to keep it inside of that uh, on the volley. I, you know, I think it's, I think it's very possible. Um, you know. It, what it was interesting, I've I've been, you know, like I said, they become a neat animal. I've read up a lot about them and watched guys, you know, hunt and see kind of how people have done it. And I know that John Eggs actually had a PH take one with a bow. And, man, after seeing the country in that, that is, in my opinion, one of the most impressive animals. Like if somebody showed me all these animals and all these people that had took, and you're like, oh, here's a 200-inch, uh, you know, free-range whitetail that I shot with a rifle, or here's this, you know, nine inch volley that I shot with my bow. Shoosh. The, the, the guy with the volley <laughs> is incredible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm certainly looking forward to getting over there with Carl. And That's awesome, man. Yeah. I'm jealous. I'm not going this year. We hit the ready for next year already. Yeah. Well, uh, one other thing, you know, you mentioned to me in passing at the, the NRA show was that I believe it's your, it was your wife's grandfather mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who passed away recently. Yep. And so, you subsequently came into possession of all of his trophy mounts and quite a few of them. Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting deal. So he, you know, he was kind of the, the patriarch of the, of the company that horizon is, is involved with. So, you know, Casper companies and he'd been, you know, um, had been in charge of that company for years and years. And, you know, his, his, I guess his granddad had started it and stuff and he was a big hunter. So we always shared that, you know, went on several elk hunts with them. Um, and he was just a wealth of knowledge on that, that kind of piece. So, you know, when he passed away, there were a couple of specific mounts and things, you know, his hunting belt and stuff that I really wanted to have just to pass down to my uh, kids. So I've got uh, his the last white tail he took in South Texas, which is, I don't know, about 175-inch non-typical uh, deer. And then I actually have his doll sheep mount, which I think is one of the coolest ones mm-hmm. for me. Um, man, it's just so cool to see what the guys gener- a couple generations away from where we're at we're able to do on on the price point and the and the size relative to kind of what we see now. And what I mean by that is I think there were just so few hunters and and there was more game and and you know 
you know, he had some huge mule deer. He didn't know they were huge, right? That was just a thing. You went there and you shot mule deer, right? And the same thing with the sheep. You know, I got the measurement. I don't know if I thought I had the exact measurements, but I started Googling online, and it's a big sheep. <laughs> and so I remember having the, the conversation with him. I said, no, how, how did, you know, what's the story on these? I mean, I, I took myself and my wife on the one paid hunt I ever did. And he said, we shot a doll sheep, a moose, and two caribou, and did a salmon fishing trip around Denali, uh, area and it cost me ten thousand dollars and the most expensive thing I've ever done. For and that both, was 90, ten to ten thousand a piece? No, no, total. Oh total. my god! So he shot a moose, <laughs> a doll a sheep, a caribou, sheep. and yep. did salmon and fishing fish. for five thousand dollars a person. Yes. Oh exactly. my god! I mean, and, uh, we're born we're just, born at the wrong time, Derek. Oh no, I know. I was <laughs> floored, right? And he was just he was just like, oh, it's so expensive. And I, I remember he is when I was working in Shiner, he came to my office to tell me the story on that sheep. And I said, um, Don, you realize I, I couldn't touch that sheep for 10. And he goes, he kind of looks at me like, you're crazy. You know, like, what are you talking 20. about? That's just, I'm like, dude, you don't understand what you have. I mean, the so moose and the sheep alone, that's magazine. 40 right there. Yeah, oh exactly. So, I mean, I, you know, and it's so fun to see that generation. You know, he, he was. And what year uh, was that? That was in, nine, well, I see, we were talking. Maybe three years ago about this particular sheep. That's when I kind of found them out and everything. But he took it at 91. Oh, so, you know, we're just a couple of generations back. Uh, I mean, Gunnison, Colorado, a great example. There were several offices that had, I would say, 190, good, solid 190-inch mule deer in a lot of the offices. Man, Don, where did you get these animals? Oh, me and my dad used to go to Gunnison all the time. <laughs> and I was like, well, did you draw that tag? And he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, I mean, just drawing a tag didn't have, had no, no, but concepts. So yeah, they just waited. loaded up the station wagon yeah. and went. Yeah, I'm like, I've got five preference points for that area trying to hunt a deer where you killed that one. And he looked at me like I was nuts. He's <laughs> kind of like, just go to Colorado and get a tag. I mean, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, so it's just neat to see, you know, kind of that generation. And, you know, it makes you wonder if, if, uh, if you know, if it's just how it is or if we messed it up or those were just really the grand days, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but uh, I don't think people realized that they could monetize hunting as a, you know right. effectively as they have. I mean, right? Just like, for example, my dad or granddad or yours or whoever probably could go knock on the the neighbor's door and say, "Hey, I want to hunt quail on your place." Yeah, like, oh yeah, shoot, no problem. Here's where they are. You know, right, knock yourself exactly. out. Bring me one or two if you don't mind. <laughs> Right. You know? Right. Or, hey, yeah, help me cut some hay and we'll call it a deal. You want to hunt deer here? Exactly. No problem. Now, people realize that folks will pay a lot of money for that. And yep. the uh, the good old days are a thing of the past, unfortunately. But I mean, that's yeah. a perfect example of, I mean, like, uh, uh, think about it in our, in our last band. Look at, look at wild hogs, right? Wild hogs, growing up in high school, it was like, oh, I got wild hogs in the hay patch. Just go shoot them. Please, anybody shoot them, right? Well, now it's like, well, hang on a second. Now I can lease them. Now, you know. Yeah. And so I think we're, you know, we saw that in, in our generation. I always say that, in my opinion, uh, the big man had the most genius marketing plan of any TV show that I've seen, right? So he jumped into pig hunting before it was popular and when it was free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so when you look at what it costs to a TV show and the content and going places, I mean, that guy nailed it, right? He's like, I'm going to hunt all these places for free, get all this great content. And I'm going to create a TV show around it on an animal that just happened to all of a sudden explode in popularity, probably you know, partially caused by him. Um, it's just kind of an interesting thing. So, you know, we've seen that in our generation, and it'd be interesting to see kind of what the next deals with. Yeah, yeah. But, well, fascinating stuff as always, Derek. Yep. 
Certainly appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's fun. I always enjoy it, man. Uh, folks can go to horizonfirearms.com if they're interested in a custom rifle build like my 7 Mag. Um, yep. Also, IOTA Outdoors, you've got a bunch of precision shooting, uh, like scopes, yep. bases, mounts, all that yep. good stuff. Um, got some new stuff coming for 19 there. It'll be a fun fun to see how that company morphs coming in next year. Yeah. Oh, and you've got the... Uh, I'm trying to. Well, we've got the crux, we've got the yep. clutch, the Kremlin, and then now that I got the clutch that we're, um, it should be shipping here fairly shortly. Um, that's when we released the shot show, and then at the NRA show, we actually had a sample of a new Tika stock that we're doing. So all the guys who've been calling us asking if we build a stock for Tika, and it's been no until here recently, we're going to start taking pre-orders for those fairly soon and get that into production. Um, we had the a machine model there to get some kind of customer feedback at the NRA show. So we'll be moving forward with that here pretty quick. Well, Derek, great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good have a good uh, bear hunting trip. We'll do it. I'll send you a pic. Sounds good. Catch you later. Well, there he goes, our good friend Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. Uh, always great checking in with Derek and talking all things firearms, ammunition, and who knows what else. Uh, that segment of the show was proudly brought to you by Overstocks and Bargains. When I'm looking for ammunition for my Horizon 7 mag, I go to overstocksandbargains.com. Why? Because they bought all of that Gander Mountain ammunition when the store went out of business, essentially liquidating their ammunition supply. And now they're selling it to you and I at deeply discounted rates. Plus, if you use my promo code Lone Star when you check out, you save 10% off your order. So that'll help you with the shipping. Check it out, overstocksandbargains.com. We all stick around. Up next, did you know that Facebook and Instagram are making a habit out of deleting pro-hunting, pro-Second Amendment accounts? Yep. Our friend Benno had his 75,000 follower Trophy Boars account deleted from Instagram without warning and without explanation. We discuss next. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. For nearly a decade, the Lone Star Outdoor Show has delivered entertaining, educational, and conservation-driven content to an ever-growing audience of sportsmen and women. Join companies like Vortex Optics, First Light Hunting, and Horizon Firearms that use the Lone Star Outdoor Show to increase their brand awareness and bottom line. If you're interested in introducing your brand to our audience, then call Gil at 972-849-3392. That's me, Gil, the Lone Star Outdoor Show marketing guy at 972-849-3392. You can also email me at gill.lonestyledoorshow at gmail.com. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. 
Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. He said he ain't no hound, he's a black mouth cur, he'll do what you got in mind. He gonna tree any coon or catch any hog, pin any steer in sight. He'll watch over your youngins and defend them until they breathe his life. That's our buddy Justin Bowerman, Black Mouth Cur, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I do love a good cur dog. I tell you what, they are some gritty hog dogs, great blood trackers as well. All around a great hunting breed. And uh, y'all know I love hunting dogs of all shapes, makes, and sizes. Uh, This segment of the presentation is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to invite you to get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about conservation, education, and hunters' rights. To do so, check us out at biggame.org. All right. Well, we've got some interesting stuff and, and unfortunate stuff, really, to get into concerning censorship. Because if you're a hunter, if you're a gun owner, if you're a Second Amendment enthusiast, you are being targeted on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, our friend Benno Hodabashian uh, had a, a page called Trophy Boars, which I followed, really enjoyed seeing all of the hog hunting pictures and, and v- videos that he would post. 75,000 people followed this account. And over the weekend, it was simply gone, deleted by Instagram for, quote, violating community guidelines. Well, what in the hell does that mean? Because... In the community guidelines, it doesn't say you can't post hunting pictures. It doesn't say you can't post Second Amendment or pro-gun pictures. Uh, I've had photos deleted that said you violated the term, the you know community guidelines, whatever. But my account wasn't kiboshed uh, like Benno's. So joining us now to discuss this situation that I think is only going to get continually worse uh, as we have just reached the tipping point. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome Trophy Boars, Benno Hodabashian, to the show. Oh, well, thanks, Caleb. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, so, first of all, I'd like to get to know you a little bit. I mean, I've been following, as a lot of people have, uh, your Trophy Be- uh, Trophy Boars page on Instagram. and uh, But, you know, that's just a page with a name that has a lot of cool hog hunting content for the most part. The, the man actually behind that account, that's you, I don't know much about you, uh, so tell us where you're from and what you like to hunt. Uh, well, to to explain briefly what's the background and what was the reason that I created Trophy Boards is exactly, uh, you know, my hometown. Uh, I, I'm an Armenian, and I, I grew up in Armenia and uh, moved to Iran because my father had some construction projects, and obviously we had to move there. So Iran, being a Muslim country, they don't hunt wild boars. So being Armenian and Christian, they allow you to hunt them. So that's what makes a huge population of trophy wild boars because they're not being hunted. More for you. (laughs) Yeah, we're lucky. Absolutely, we're lucky. And uh, the fact that, you know, they do the same damage that we're seeing in Texas, and uh, they're breaking, uh, you know, apple trees. So a lot of farmers are complaining about them. And... You know, whenever they saw an Armenian family going to hunt boars, they were just praying us. They were, they were, we were like gods to them. Hey, come please kill these boars and, uh, you know, save us. So that's how we began, you know, hunting. My dad started taking me hunting. 
when I was three years old. Mm -hmm. So this passion runs in my veins from early age. And, uh, you know, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of life lessons, hunting wild boars, you know, the patience, the discipline, the ethics, you know, how you approach the hunting game and how to respect the game you harvest. And uh, that the hunting is not over once you shoot the game. And it's, it's just another beginning because you have to dress it properly. You have to make sure it won't go to waste and all that respect to, to the surroundings and environment. So these are the lessons that I believe, you know, I've learned in hunting and which is really useful in my daily life, too, because it helped me be successful in my career by respecting others, you know, having more patience. Mm -hmm. So that's about it. Well, and let me ask you this, because I imagine Iran has much more strict gun laws than we do. What kind of firearms were you typically hunting these boars with over there? You're absolutely right. Well, um, being in Iran, you know, getting uh, firearms for hunting is is total nightmare. First of all, you got to go through uh, a series of interviews to, you know, to be verified that, that you're mentally stable. You're not going to use the gun against anybody. They do, you know, severe background checks, which may take up to uh, plus a year, which which in my case, it almost took a year because I had to go explain to them that we have a ranch in this region and, uh, you know, we're having problems with wild boars. So, uh, that that entire process is just uh, nerve-wracking, hmm. and uh, adding to that is once you get the once you get the license and you buy the gun, uh, you only have 30, 30 bullets per year. They only allow you to buy thirty bullets per year, which is oh my god, crazy. Yeah, so that's how they control control the firearms in Iran. And if I want to open this subject, it's um, if I tell you about the prices that people pay to have a hunting rifle in Iran, let's say you have a, you know, whether it be Vanguard, and you're paying it almost like fifty thousand dollars for such a gun. Fifty thousand American yeah, dollars. Yeah. Yep, it's it's very expensive oh to God. own firearms in Iran. But you know the passion is there, and uh, whoever can afford it, you know, just goes for it. Uh huh. With your thirty bullets. Yeah, but hey, if you know how to, you know, make your own bullets, you're good. Uh, but if not, yeah, you're just down to that 30 bullets. I mean, you have to want to hunt very bad. Absolutely, yeah. To jump through those hoops, man. Exactly, exactly. Mm. You just got to have the passion because it's not it's not easy. Whoever thinks it's, it's just a game, you know, we don't have high fences in other countries. Uh, so you drive up to, in your nice hundred thousand dollar truck and just decide to go into a high fence and shoot an animal. Uh, you know, out there it's real hunting. I'm pretty sure you've experienced real hunting. Oh yeah. When you go to you know up north and wherever you go for elk hunting or like caribou or whatever. I'm going for black bear uh, in Montana this week, next week. So yeah, by yeah. the way, congrats on that. Uh, <laughs> that's really that's really exciting. Yeah. Okay, so thirty. I mean, I'd be counting my shots, man. I'd be like, eh, because here in Texas, it's we treat hogs like vermin a lot of the time. Whether that's a fair thing, it's probably offensive to say that, but it's the truth. And yeah, since I, we I speak the truth on this show, I'm going to say, like, some people, myself included, I've shot more hogs than I can eat, and you couldn't take those hogs to hunters for the hungry. If they were dead, they weren't mm-hmm. accepting them. Um, sure. They carry trichinosis, 
brucellosis can be carriers of those uh, diseases, which can affect humans. Bad deal if you get it. If I've got two hogs already in the freezer and it's hot in the summertime, I can't give them away. I can't clean them yep. and get them to another person fast enough for the meat not to go bad. So it's it's the one animal that I'm like, I, I'm I morally have accepted the fact that sometimes we just kill them and and we we just let the coyotes eat them. And you're yeah. absolutely right. This uh, infects us. You know, I've experienced it. I've been around looking for hogs. You know, trying to find that nice and niche spot that I can you know find any. Any boars that are similar to Europe or Iran or Armenia, but uh, I've, I've felt that. I was telling my friends and my my dad back home. I was like, uh, you know, it's a battle against hogs in Texas. It's nothing that we've ever seen because, uh, let's say back in Iran, you're not seeing boars, you know, running around like this. You got to work to even see a track. Mm-hmm. So you got to know the region. You got to know what time of the year you're going to this region. Uh, what's the vegetation? What kind of crops are there? So if you go, for instance, into where you have apple trees and you go during, you know, wheat season, early summer, you're not going to see any boars, even though you're going to, you know, look for them for days, but you're not going to see anything. But here, uh, first time I remember I went to hunting and it was near Columbus and, uh, I can't tell you how I felt after I saw the first herd. I shot two of them. Uh, I dressed them. And maybe half an hour later, another herd came to the same spot. <laughs> and I was I was speechless. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So yeah. I totally agree with you. When, when uh, we have a battle here against us, uh, you know, ethics doesn't really have a role to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of get... I don't like it when people say, "Hey, just gut shoot them and let them run off." That way, then you don't have to take that. That's not what us as hunters need to be doing or sending that message out there. No, you need a clean kill. You don't want any sure. animal, whether it's a hog, coyote, whatever, to ever suffer. So yeah, always strive for that clean kill. Um, but going back to that thirty rounds, I mean, sometimes we hunt with ARs here. I mean, I might shoot. I might drop 30 rounds in one sitting, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a different, it's, it's a different world out there, but, uh, you know, making sure you shoot, shoot your game and it's a clean kill mm-hmm. with one bullet because you want to count on the other 29. It makes it more exciting. Sure. Well, so what, when did you move to the United States? Uh, well, I moved to the, uh, to the U.S. Uh, in 2014. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I always loved uh, the way people go hunting gear because of all the equipment and whatever, you know, you can go and buy as many rounds of ammunition you want from Academy or wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, uh, let me tell you a funny story, because first I went to pick up my rifle. I, I've got a Weatherby 270, which is my favorite caliber. And uh, I went to... And it probably cost you 500 bucks instead of 50000 yeah, exactly. And uh, I went to one of the stores and uh, I, I saw the gun. I really liked it. So I paid for it. And uh, the lady said, I have bad news for you. I said, what's going on? And she told me, uh, you're going to wait two days for a background check to get clearance. And I was just, it was just surprising to say, well, two days is nothing because I explained how we waited like over a year <laughs> and went through multiple uh, interviews 
just to get a hunting rifle with 30 bullets. And she was laughing. She couldn't understand because she's never seen anything like that. Yeah. But uh, honestly, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to get all this equipment here and uh, go hunting. Well, so let's talk about trophy boars because, uh, like I said, it's a page that I had been following. Uh, I've even got – you sent me a couple of the hats as well. And I guess it was this past weekend you tried to log on to Instagram and you didn't have a page anymore. Yeah, true. Uh, sadly, uh, but uh, seventy-five thousand followers. Seventy-five thousand followers. It took took me and uh, my friend over over a year of uh, you know promotions and marketing and you know creating giveaways and you know being engaged with people uh, to gain such a such a huge followers. And uh, recently, what happened was we realized that we don't have the same engagement that we had before. Because every week we were gaining almost between 500 to 1,500 followers, depending on on our activities uh, on the page. But it, it suddenly stopped, mm-hmm. and we kind of started losing followers. And I was it was kind of weird to me. Uh, but uh, the funny thing is, you know, we we ran a lot of promotions for the merchandise we offered through Instagram. Whenever we were offering, we were, we were renewing the promotions. We were getting followers back. But as soon as they were stopping, uh, all the followers were gone, and it was kind of surprising to me. Until uh, it was Sunday, Sunday, because we added some more stuff, and I just wanted to, you know, start start the marketing campaign, and I had some more photos to post. I realized uh, I got kicked out of Instagram. Uh, I tried logging back in, and I received this message that says uh, your page has been deleted because you violated the terms of our community. So I thought it might be a bug or something. So I tried again and again. I kept on trying. And then my friend told me, hey, uh, can you see our page? I said, no. And my other friend called me, your page is gone. And uh, I started checking some, I started reading Reddit and to see if it might be a technical problem. But unfortunately, I realized that uh, there is this systematic bullying going on on Instagram. First of all, they target hunters, pro-Second Amendment uh, pages. So they, what they do is they filter them out. So the impressions will drop. People won't see their posts. Uh, they cannot be engaged as they want to with people. So that's, that's from Instagram. The other part that I think you've noticed that we're, we're encountering now is uh, some of these animal rights activists, they form groups and they systematically attack hunting pages, uh, and they start reporting. And apparently Instagram is controlled by, you know, algorithms and bots. So whenever these blogs and, you know, reports get into a number, certain number, Instagram automatically filters that page, which I believe happened with us. Hmm. So because um, I've had many of our followers, they found out we got the new page to stay connected with everyone once. We're trying to get back the old one. They kept sending us uh, screenshots of people saying, uh, "Yeah, we've done it once. We shut them down once, and let's do it again." And they're they're sharing this message again, you know, among their among their groups. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of, uh, you know, I considered this as maybe defamation or even bullying because uh, 
honestly, it's not right. First of all, it's, they're just trying to kill a small business. I'm not worried about the business part because I didn't start this as a business, but I do have one employee which I can, you know, handle. But still, just imagine somebody has got a livelihood running from this this small business. Oh, for me, me for example, I make a part of my living promoting sponsors and promoting exactly. the show on so, social media. This is gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt, uh, especially if somebody just their you know main source of income will be through. Uh, sponsorship or, you know, selling merchandise. So that was the first thing that really bothered me is, you know, what's going to happen to my employee? And two, it's not, it's kind of violating our rights because we do have the right to freedom of speech. If I don't like anything, I've never seen a hunter doing this. I've never seen a hunter going to this animal rights activist pages and try to be abusive or try to bully them. No. That's not what we do. If we don't like what they post, we just don't go there. Why? Why waste your time? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, really recommend all these other people who are against something. If it bothers them, just just stay away. Go go check whatever you like to check. But doing this is you know really not ethical and it's it's not it's not just right. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I could lose my Facebook and Instagram pages before this happens, but. There are a lot of people out there. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday who listens to a lot of conservative podcasts mm-hmm. and uh, people like Ben Shapiro. And uh, he said that even at, you know Facebook was recently called to, to Washington D.C. and had to testify, and and the writing's on the wall. They're either going to have to become a publisher or just a platform. And if they're just a platform, then they can't censor us if they become a publisher then they can but if they become a publisher then they're responsible for everything that gets published on facebook and then so if someone posted a compromising photo of you or i or our friend or wife or whatever they'd be held responsible for that legally and uh, and they don't want to open up that can of worms so i think and i'm hoping and praying that uh they are they're going to have to just stop censoring us yeah, absolutely, because uh, things are getting out of control. Yeah. Uh, I've talked to many friends who've got pages. Uh, whoever is from Europe is sort of more protected than us because they've never seen anything like this. But for some strange reason, any page that operates from within the U.S., they're you know they're being targeted for for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's got to be a way to stop it. I tried reaching out to more influential people. Like uh, you know Tommy Lauren and uh, and Joe Rogan because I know they're you know they're pro Second Amendment they like hunting and they don't you know uh, they want they want to have a solution for this this issue but you know they they are so busy and if I can get a reading from them and even a response that would be a great move towards eliminating this issue. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing: is Instagram gave you no warning. They no warnings at all. Your page is just gone. Correct. Yeah. So that in and of itself is wrong. And they don't they it's not like we're violating anything about their rules when we post hunting pictures because their rules don't state you can't post hunting pictures. They yeah. don't state you can't post dead animals. They don't state you can't post guns. So how in the hell do we know when we're violating the community guidelines if they don't have the guidelines listed out? That's the You're thing, absolutely like, right. Um uh, and I was checking some of uh, some of the photos that you posted today, 
uh, you know, it's got the graphing content mm-hmm. on it. It says graphic content, you know, tap to tap to see. But uh, it's just funny to me because what graphic content are we talking about? Uh, we we are seeing. Uh, I don't want to get too political, but we are seeing some stuff that are truly not right, which are being promoted to our kids, and uh, they want to take them to to the wrong directions. But how come those pages are not being filtered? And we being hunters and uh, just promoting ethical hunting are being targeted. It's kind of it's kind of strange to me. We are living in an insane time, my friend. That is for sure. That I agree. Well, I, I wanted to have you on to basically let our audience know that this is going on. People who are pro hunting, pro Second Amendment, are having their pages deleted for no reason. Uh, luckily, you have another job. For people, like you said, who this is their main source of income, I mean, there's people that just sell T-shirts on social media, and that's what they do for a living. And yeah, uh, if they were selling pro-Second Amendment, pro-gun T-shirts, they could have their whole livelihood come crashing yep. down. Um, so that's just one example. Um, but but besides that, man, I wanted to give you the chance to uh, mention the new page so that folks can, can uh, all your followers can... Uh, I don't know if we'll get all 75,000, but we're going to try. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. And uh, my new page uh, will be Trophy Boards, but it's a Z instead of S because my my uh, main username still exists, which I'm trying to get back from Instagram, but it's Trophy Boards, uh, Z instead of an S. Right on, man. Well, hey, keep doing what you do. I always enjoy the content, and uh, hopefully we can get this this uh wrong righted um, because it's uh it's infuriating thanks Shello. thanks for the opportunity and your time i really enjoy talking to you and hopefully we will see this issue gone away and uh get back to what we really love to do hunting and promoting hunting right on Benno. well hey thanks again man i appreciate it all right there he goes our friend Benno holabashian of trophy boars fascinating to hear Benno talk about his background, uh, go, you know, being born in Armenia and then relocating with his family to Iran, where he developed his passion for boar hunting. Uh, pretty cool stuff there. Hopefully, he'll get his page back and those 75,000 followers will once again enjoy seeing all of the great hog hunting content that he posts. I know I did. Uh, that segment of the show was brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision if you want to get after some hogs under the cover of darkness, then check out the Pulsar Helion. And this is not a rifle scope. This is a monocular with a 1,500-yard detection range. And so if there are hogs around, <laughs> you're going to see them. It's got unmatched clarity. It is the best monocular on the market. And it's got uh, an awesome internal recorder as well. So it's the Pulsar Helion. You can find it at PulsarNV.com and save 20% and get free shipping when you use my promo code Lone Star, check it out at PulsarNV.com. Uh, we'll be right back with our old buddy Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. I ran into Mark at the NRA convention in Dallas, and we were able to sit down and really get into a myriad of topics, which we'll discuss next right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Kicking ass is getting old, taking names takes its toll. On a worn out, busted, beat up soul like mine. 
Hey, y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffair for Hoffair's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffair's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web in contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H is in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hi, this is James McMurtry, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I don't know what made me so brazen and bold At the time I was feeling so wasted and old And I can't dance the lick, but sometimes I can flat rock and roll that's the music of James McMurtry bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, thanks to Dallas Safari Club, our title sponsor as well. As We're all set to visit with uh, one of our oldest pals in Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics. But before we do that, this segment of the show is brought to you by IOTA Outdoors. If you're looking for a new custom rifle stock for your rifle, then check out IOTA. They've got the Crux, the Clutch, and the Kremlin. Uh, I've got the Crux on my 7 mag. It weighs 27 ounces, extremely lightweight, perfect for the backcountry hunter or anyone that does a lot of spot and stalking for that matter. And you can find the entire lineup right there at iotaoutdoors.com. Um, all right. Well, like I said, I ran into Mark at the NRA show uh, at the Vortex booth. He is the head of uh, marketing uh, among other things for Vortex. And so we sat down and taped this conversation at the Vortex booth. Keep in mind, there literally were thousands and thousands and thousands of people at that NRA convention in Dallas. Um, so keep in mind, there's a little background noise, but I think it just adds to the overall experience and uh, might help the listener understand what a madhouse that place was <laughs> for three days. Anyway, here you go. Our latest conversation with Mark Boardman. Mark, welcome to the show, man. No, appreciate it, Cable. This is awesome. Yeah, so we've taped uh, quite a few conversations over the years, but all over the phone, so it's nice to get to do one in person. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so NRA show 2018. It's in my backyard right here in North Texas. Yeah. What are your thoughts? How does this stack up to uh, previous shows? Man, it's awesome. Uh, this this venue is definitely a buzz with uh, just so many uh, passionate Second Amendment advocates. Um, you know, I mean, for, for lack of a better term or maybe a great term, man, there's a lot of good Americans in this room. So, <laughs> yeah, there are. Um, it's just an awesome opportunity for us to connect with our customers on a, on a very, like, personal level. And you get to, you know, meet, hang out, talk about products, tell stories with uh, just a great, great group of like-minded people. So it's cool. Yeah. And this is y'all's uh, second time here this year, this year, right? Y'all here for Dallas Safari Club. So, yeah, we had some folks here for that. You know, yeah. a lot of our great, great dealers. And yeah. then, uh, yeah, and then so now we're here. We actually have a, a, a group of individuals from the office. We're just uh, at a three-gun shoot in Texas. So there's been a lot of a lot of Vortex uh, activity in Texas lately. We've got the Vortex in shirt even. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, those are pretty big hit. That was a, a special run that we did for uh, for this show to, to hand out to – to customers and yeah they uh they went fast right on right on so uh, let's talk about uh first of all why don't you tell me how your hunting season was because i'm always interested to find out what you've been up to man uh fall was good chased elk uh back home in my home state of western washington and had an awesome time with my dad and my brother um got on one really good bull and couldn't quite close it. We were bow hunting. So yeah. that oh, seems yeah. to be a, you know, pretty common story, but it was good, man. You know, just, uh, yeah. That's Shot a couple deer in Wisconsin, killed yeah. a nice buck on, on some public with my bow, uh, not too far picture, from home. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, shot one with the rifle back home. So fair, fairly mellow season, but a good one. Got some meat in the freezer. So it's good. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, what is your next adventure? Are you doing any, Spring bear, turkey. So, yeah, I actually got, got lucky. Uh, killed a bird opening day of our turkey oh, season. Nice. Or so maybe the day after opening day. I don't know. Opening week, I should say. Uh -huh. So, uh, and uh, so that was cool. And was he goblin? Was he on? They were, man. They were. That it first was, gobble makes the, you know, always makes the hair on my arm stand up. It, you know? <laughs> it was good, yeah. They were, they were goblin on the limb and goblin when they hit the ground and, my buddy and I, he had it pretty dialed. I can't really take too much credit. He had him, he had him uh, roosted the night before, so we slipped in tight. And it was kind of one of those deals where everything worked out yeah. like it was supposed to, and it was done before you knew it. So yeah, That's not how my last uh, turkey hunt worked out. <laughs> that's, yeah. It yeah, is I, nice when it does. Yeah. Yeah, we were kind of both looking at each other like, all right, I guess, I guess that's how you do it. Yeah. So the first turkey I ever killed, first turkey hunt I ever went on, like two minutes after they got off the roost, I had a decoy out in this little sendero, and here comes this turkey. Boom! Ten-inch beard. I'm like, turkey hunting's the greatest, you know? And then <laughs> yep. after that, ten years later, it's like, God, this is a really humbling endeavor most of the time. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, they, it seems like everything's got to come together. you got to have the, the right bird and the right mood at the right time. And, you know, it's like just to your point, man, sometimes it – works out fast and it seems like it couldn't be easier and then other times you struggle for a week and yeah <laughs> come home empty so no doubt well hey let's talk about some of the new stuff for 2018 let's start with the binos side of things uh what is the latest on the viper 
of the HD. So yeah, you're gonna have the uh, an eight by forty-two, a ten by forty-two, and a ten by fifty, and a twelve by fifty. And the Viper HD series by name may not seem new. You know, the Viper HD right. series has been around for a while. I, think I have a pair that's like six years old. So. Right. Yeah. Right. So phenomenal bino. Um, always one of my favorites. It's kind of one of those uh, optics that approaches that top tier of performance, but doesn't carry that top tier price tag. Mm -hmm. And the, this this next evolution of, of the Viper HDs is in that same spot, same prices, same name, but um, definitely elevated the optical system. So a person's even getting, you know, more and, and better optical quality for their dollar. And uh, we're just really excited about them. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And then also the Fury, uh, that's one that I was really excited about getting. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife, actually, she's not a hunter. Okay. We, uh, she's obsessed with Pink, the pop star. Okay. And she was in Dallas last week, and my wife's like, give me those binos. I'm taking them to see Pink. She's up in the nosebleed, and so she's like, God, these are awesome. Got so. to use the binos. <laughs> Knew exactly how far away she was. That's, that's exactly perfect. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So has that has the Fury uh, caught on? Is it doing well? It's been a really good piece, you know, and and it kind of falls in a really good spot of uh, high level optical quality and a lot of performance, you know. And and you've used it now, and man, that that dual purpose functionality of having the integrated rangefinder is it's a nice asset. Oh yeah, absolutely love it. You know, especially like I keep going back for for bow hunters. Climbing a tree, every extra piece of gear is, is a little bit of a hindrance, so mm -hmm. that eliminates mm -hmm. that to have the built-in uh, rangefinder. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, I also noticed some new things on the you know traditional rangefinder front. What's going yep. on there? Yep. So we, you know, we updated the Ranger series as well. Previously, uh, we had the Ranger 1000 mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and the Ranger 1500. We kind of uh, increased the ranging capability of both those units, so you'll see uh, a Ranger 1300 and a Ranger 1800 now. Uh huh. And what's the uh, impact? The impact 850, man. That's a really a really cool piece. Um, you know, coming in at at a very friendly price point. Uh, I like to say, you know, a person doesn't have an excuse to not have a rangefinder anymore. Right. Um, what is the price point? I think it's going to retail for right about 199. Uh -huh. You know, so yep, so, and that's a fairly new piece in the lineup as well, and yeah. just fits a really nice spot. Um, 850 yard reflective, uh, as as I guess you know, insinuated by the name. Mm -hmm. um, quality piece, black LCD display, uh, fast readout, and uh, I, I've I've used it a fair amount now, and I'm I'm really really impressed with it. Awesome. Then let's switch over to uh, traditional rifle scopes. What Let's see. I know we've got obviously we've talked about the uh, the Gen two Razor HDs. Um, what about the Strike Eagle? So the Strike Eagle line, uh, it, it almost uh, it's it's grown over the last few years. Uh, we started with just a singular uh, one to six by twenty four. We added a one to eight by twenty four, and then this year, brand new. Um, we got some, uh, you know, big brothers to the series. So we've got a, a three to eighteen, 
as well as a 4 to 24. So very versatile zoom range, uh, 30 millimeter tubes, illumination, uh, exposed turrets for dialing elevation. So, and they fall in a really, really sweet spot. Um, you know, in that in that price performance ratio, where a person is just getting a ton of features, um, really good quality, but it's not killing them in their pocket. Yeah. So, what, like, what is the entry level there? You know, I think. Gosh, don't quote I me. I wish I had my, models, my price book in front of me. But you're you're probably looking. Uh, I want to say for the one to six, that's going to go for. Gosh, don't quote me. Two ninety nine. Okay, yeah. I believe, so, but I believe the, the one to eight is three ninety nine, and then you can yeah. get in that five mark for the uh, for the very affordable. Yeah, absolutely. For quality optics, uh, and, and Vortex. I mean, you guys are known for that, offering a great product with the best warranty in the industry for you know a fair price. Yeah, I mean that's something we work really hard at, and we're proud of. Um, you know, we like to have a really good good lineup of products. Uh, where a person, you know, we like to think that, you know, when a person buys any Vortex product, uh, no matter what, you know, tier of quality and performance it falls in, that they're, that they're if they spend a dollar Vortex, they're getting the best product that they can get. Yeah. Like I said, we've talked about the, the Razer Gen 2 uh, awesome scope. That's the, the top of the line. Yep. Um, obviously, a little more pricey, but that's what I've got on my 7 mag. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look. Uh, my rifle sponsor put me on a little card here. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> they, nice work, yeah. man. That's, that's a that's nice a nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. But uh, indestructible. I got to tell you, I had the misfortune of that rifle. My, my sling broke. I was g getting out of my deer blind. No way. After a morning hunt. And yeah, this, the, the latch, you know, that attaches to your, uh, your, your actual stock, it just fell off. And there went my rifle. And scope, twelve feet to the ground. I'm like, oh my god! And I'm I'm up in Oklahoma, and I don't have another gun. I'm like, this hunt's over. I got to drive back to North Texas now. Right. I took it over to a little hundred yard range there, just dead on. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. I, I was I couldn't believe it, you know, shocked. But uh, that just is a testament to the the quality craftsmanship of of y'all's optics. So no, appreciate, it. and that's and that's what should happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, you have an incident like that you did the right thing. You know, you want to go back, you want to confirm your zero. Um, and really, you know, an impact like that could potentially impact any number of things. It could uh, affect uh, the mount, could affect, you know, something on the rifle or, or the optic as well. But, um, you know, we definitely try to build our stuff yeah. at a level to where, you know, I mean, the fact of the matter is when you're hunting or, or maybe you're using one of our optics for, uh, you know for other work or other applications you're likely to not be in the friendliest of environments right and and so your equipment darn well better hold up to it and and perform in those environments and and uh well it worked out because that afternoon i, I don't i'm not a big neck shot guy i usually when it's a trophy animal i'm shooting them in the front shoulder and take out that that you know front wheel drive and they're yep. not going anywhere but in this particular circumstance, this buck stopped, and the only shot I had was a neck shot. Yep. And, you know, I had the confidence even after that mishap that morning, dropped him like a sack of hammers. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so it worked out. Um, let me ask you this. Going back to the warranty, I want to know, get, tell me the craziest thing, and, and we've probably, a lot of people have seen pictures of, of folks' stuff burned up in a fire, yep. uh, Vortex stuff. 
and you guys replace it, you know. Uh, but what is the craziest thing you've you've had a customer tell you? Hey, this is what happened to my scope. And you're like, no, there's no way that happened. Man, you know, <laughs> there's we get some wild ones. We get some wild ones. We had one where uh, where uh, a guy's girlfriend kind of uh, sent his optic in. Uh, unbeknownst to him and under the radar, I think they had just moved in together. And if I recall correctly, and I'm, I'm probably not getting all the facts straight, but she had, I think she had a new puppy. And I think that puppy found, it was either his rangefinder or his binoculars. And uh, she just really wanted to get those fixed and back home as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that was a good one. That was kind of funny. Uh, we had another one where uh, actually a guy's uh, actually this guy sent in his his spotting scope, but his brother-in-law had left it on the bumper of the truck, and uh, that spotter had met its demise that way. Uh, we warrantied that one, and the then you warrantied the remnants of it. The remnants, yeah, they, it did. It actually come came back in a Ziploc bag. Like Here, here's my spotter. What can you do for me? And and you know what, I mean. Wild stuff like that happens too, and 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 we definitely are going to help those guys out as well. Yeah. Uh, one one we're looking at right now that we have on display in the booth as as another good example. I believe the story with this one was uh, it's like uh, cut in half. Well, so yeah, that was that was uh, a person that got their rings a little too tight, uh, and uh, yeah, you know, essentially crimped the tube enough to to cut it in half. Uh, and then right here, this one we're looking at, the spotting scope here. That I huh. think that gentleman was uh, elk hunting. I think they had actually gotten an elk somehow in the excitement, which this, you know, it may be a good lesson, good reminder. I'm looking uh, at a bullet hole. Yeah, you're looking at a bullet story. hole. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, he was lucky. Every, yeah, I mean, number one, everybody came home safe. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he was putting his uh, rifle back in the truck. Had an AD in the truck, shot a hole in the spotting scope, and so we uh, we got that one back and got him taken care of as well. But the spotter actually worked the rest of the week for him. It wasn't uh, it wasn't argon it. <laughs> wasn't argon purged anymore, <laughs> but uh, the the the, the bolt actually missed kind of the the critical you know um, lens and prism components. Just a flesh wound. It was just a flesh wound, yeah. a, a deep flesh wound, <laughs> but. Uh, but we got those guys taken care of. So, and we're, and we're happy to. I mean, that's what we're here for. And, and you know, we always, we're very customer focused at every touch point. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what we care about. And that's the bottom line to us. And if you're a Vortex customer, um, you know, we want to take care of you before, during, and after the sale. And if you're a Vortex customer, you're going to be a Vortex customer for life. There's no doubt about that. Everyone that I've talked to that's come to the booth here at the show, hey, you know, what, what do you have? And it's usually, well, I have three or four things, you know? It's not just, oh, I have just one scope or one pair of binos. It's like, no, I've got multiple things. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean that's so awesome and it's so humbling at the same time. Um, and that's the other, the other thing that's so cool about being here and getting to talk with these folks and hear their stories and their experiences with our products and and uh, answer their questions and show them the new stuff. It's just it's just really cool all the way around, and we, we definitely appreciate every each and one of them. And you know, and that's what we're interested in. I mean, we want customers for life, and and uh, truly believe in you know in them and our products. 
Well, it's great for me personally to be able to work with and, and represent a company that has those standards, that commitment to customer service and quality. So I appreciate you guys as well, man. No, appreciate it. Always a pleasure. I want to talk about you next time. Oh, yeah. Well, the listeners probably are tired of me. There. <laughs> <laughs> no, they want to hear you. But, hey, pleasure as always, man. Thanks thanks again. And it's great to have you here in, in Dallas. It's awesome to, to connect up with you in person as well. It's like yeah. we talk on the phone. and you know, I'm, maybe gonna, I'm looking forward to coming up to headquarters. You guys just moved uh, to the new location. And yep. I'm going to come up there and, and take a gander. No, man. We want to have you out. It would be great. All right, all right. A good friend, Mark Boardman of Vortex Optics, um, one of our semi-regular guests, and truly, like I said, a company that I back 100%, I believe, in everything, every product that they've ever sent me. Uh, and trust me, y'all, I beat the hell out of my stuff. And uh, and I, I don't know. I think it's, it's partly, if there was one thing I could change about myself, I'll tell you uh, in the mind of Cable Smith here, but uh, you get all this gear in this industry that is sent to you for free, essentially. Sometimes you have to trade out some advertising or something, but when you don't have to write a check or pay cash or, or hand them your credit card, I have a hard time treating that gear like I would if I had just handed them 500 bucks of my hard-earned money. And whether that's right or wrong, what it does do is it causes me to be extremely hard on all my gear. And I think in some twisted way, that's a good thing because I can tell you if it holds up or not, (laughs) because I don't treat it like I would if, uh, I, you know, if that money came straight out of my bank account. Uh, so Vortex stands the test of time with an incredible warranty, one that I've never even had to use. And I've been beating the hell out of their stuff for six or seven years now. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by rustic reminders, taxidermy. If I do take a black bear in Montana this week. You know who's doing the taxidermy? Rustic Reminders. They've been taking care of me for a long, long time. Josh and Becky Gunther do amazing work. They answer the phone when I call, and they have fast turnaround time. You can find all of their work and their two locations in San Antonio and Marion, Texas, by going to gr8mounts.com. That's like great mounts, but it's gr8mounts.com. Uh, just looking at the clock here, unfortunately, got to go, got to get out of here. We are flat out of time, at least favorite part of every week, to be honest with you. Uh, but we will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our guests, Mark, as well as uh, Benno of Trophy Boars and Derek Ratliff of Horizon Firearms. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.